Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. How was everybody's Valentine's? Hope you had a good time. Hope you enjoyed yourself. We uh, we flew to Paris. Oh, really? Made love under the Eiffel Tower. Uh-huh. Actually, we ordered takeout. Maria fell asleep on the couch while I <laughs> fell down a YouTube hole. <laughs> <laughs> that was our Valentine's. Right. Yes, sir. How about you? Uh, we scratched lottery tickets that we bought each other uh-huh. and uh, dealt with the aftermath of lovemaking in the past, being our uh, children and their attitudes. It was oh. a, a lovely Valentine's oh, spent. No. He's got ugly at the Lock Ranch last week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nothing says love like teenagers. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a it, reminder of what <laughs> what love can bring. Yeah, what a what a bottle of wine and a mistake does. <laughs> yeah, every stage of raising children brings uh, different challenges. You uh-huh. know? When they're young, there's all of that—the constant being aware—and they they just need total uh, dedication to their uh, to their health and well-being. And then when they become teenagers, they know it all, and they're a complete pain in the arse. Yeah, the more that they think they know as they as they grow, it's the uh, the worse that it gets. Yeah, and it is it is quite an interesting experience. And every now and then, the the playing field needs to level. Reminders need to be sent. Mm-hmm. That was one of those nights. And you sent some. Oh, there's some were sent. <laughs> yes. And received. And uh, and received. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now times have changed. Uh, you know. Long that, that I used to receive messages by hand. Mm, oh yeah, <laughs> quite literally. Hand and belt and spoon. And <laughs> now messages are received via text uh, or yeah. lack of text and phone, mm. and uh, and it's interesting that way. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a it's a tough it's a tough tough job being a parent. It uh, and I and, and as I've said many times, I, I don't necessarily see the reward. Yeah. I don't see. The, I <laughs> what is the payoff here? Outside of maybe down the road, you don't do well, and they kind of take you in and take care of you. Right. Yeah. They help you through your senior years, mm-hmm. perhaps. But outside of that, what are we? What are we getting back? Right. Well, and that's uh, that's probably it. Some sort of uh, caretaker later on, or someone to look out for you, because I think we've learned in society now, no one else cares about you. No, but you know, you <laughs> they'll leave a, you to rot. Saved a lot of money and just uh, hired some woman to take care of it's you true. in your senior, senior years. You wouldn't have had to pay for all the things you pay for. That's true. And, and and even if they get half your stuff, or in the in the end, you know, the kids take all of it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you love them. You have to. You made them. They're your responsibility. And just as uh, all of us who have had children. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i really... I mean, I understand the love and family and commit. I get all of that, whatever you call it, whatever we, we base all of this on. I understand that concept. <laughs> but when you just look at it in cold, dark, like, numbers. Right. You know... Uh, like if it was an investment, mm. I'm going to roll all this money into all sorts of things right? for maybe two decades right. or more. Well, you know, it's funny. Hopefully then you say, okay, if I invest all this, what do I get? You get nothing back. Yeah. They just leave 
<laughs> You've they've just sucked off your teat, right, for two decades, and then they leave. Well, you know what? I was listening to, and I hate dealing with politics all, all the time now, but it always pops up. And I saw something where Biden was talking about Trump, and he said everything to him is transactional, mm. and, and it and it really is true. If you look into at, at the world in a transactional way, mm-hmm. right? What what is a transaction that is good for you, and what's one that's what's that do nothing for you in the end? I mean, I wouldn't say kids do nothing for you, but transactionally, if you look at it mm. as just an expense, you're way in the hole oh, yeah. uh, through it all. But then again. And, you know, insurance would be one of those as well, where transactionally, you look at it and go, man, I'm paying a lot mm. every month. And I'm not, you know, in the hope of not using it. Right. 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 It's just it security. Transactionally, it's, it seems like a very poor expense. Yeah. But, you know, down the road, if you don't, it can really hamper you. The problem with insurance, even worse than children, in that... Uh, Every time you think you want to use it, you're so afraid to use yeah. it because of your deductible. And <laughs> I don't want them to even know I had a problem because right. they're going to up my rates. The rates are going to go up I mean, or they're like, going to drop you. It, 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 is, it is one heck of an interesting experience when you when and they've really trained us to not use it. Yeah, I'd rather I, I'd like my children to fear me like I fear the insurance. <laughs> one more mistake and we drop you. We say it all the time. You're gone because <laughs> we are their insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Except they're not paying. You know, I um, when Marie and I got married and we had kids, uh, we just had kids. I don't, I don't remember a discussion about having kids or not having kids. I, I sense that if I had said to her, "Let's just be dinks, double double income, no kids," um, I, I don't think she ever would have gone along with that. I think she just always would have wanted to. Well, have you children. married an Italian too. There Family no, is yeah. a big part of their, their no, upbringing. Same with me in West Indian. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's right. And, and for somebody from mostly a British background, as much as we love our family, we don't lay as much stock into it. It's not everything. Well, I mean, your prime example of family is the monarchy in Britain, and that yeah. is one of the worst examples. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's right. But, uh, but I still, through it all, uh, I sense that had we not had children, and standing here now at the age I am, if we never did have our boys, I think that... Both of us would have sensed that we missed out on something. Oh, right. You know, I honestly, I again, I <laughs> man, the the life we would have led, though, yeah. the things we would have seen, <laughs> the places we would have gone, the great meals we would have had. Oh, I know. How you listen? I, I I just on Facebook two seconds ago, two of the dinks I know, mm. uh, <laughs> a couple I know two couples right away in the first ten minutes here mm. that are dinks. One's in Cabo, the yeah. other's in Banff. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. No, I know. But what are you gonna do? It's 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 how <laughs> it's it's been trained into us, yeah. You know, to uh, keep pumping out. Every things. now and then, they do something good, and they make you think, "Wow, I, I, <laughs> I raised that. <laughs> I, yeah. I might have been a part of that. I created that." You know, you know where it'll really kind of show up, and 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 it has shown up for Maria and I. And honestly, uh, you know, all joking aside, when I see the live, they've cut out for themselves mm. when i see how they treat their friends when i see how they treat their partners i'm very proud of that right i i i know that through example 
and there were times when Maria and I were not a good example. <laughs> but I see the respect they have for others. I see how they treat other family members. I see how they are respectful to their, you know, grandmother. They're they're good human beings. Right. And 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 I guess that some sort of payback. Yeah. But maybe that's even a uh, uh, um uh, not a jealous thing. What's the word? Um, selfish thing. Okay. Ooh, look at what I did. Yeah. You know. Well, but that's what you get. That's what you're paying for. That's, that's yeah. the fulfillment out of all of it. Let me know when that starts to happen, though. <laughs> um, mid to late twenties. Right. You've got another decade or so. Keep going. Sad, sad day. We're just learning about this uh, this morning. It happened on Saturday. I don't know why word hadn't gotten out sooner. But a, a gentleman named Bill Post passed away, 96 right. years old, lived All right. a good life. Now, who is Bill Post? Well, Bill Post invented probably what is to this day the greatest breakfast food ever. Maybe it's... Can't really even call it food. Okay. But it's tasty, and I might go get some today just in honor of Bill. Yeah, have, I haven't had this in decades. Bill invented the Pop-Tart. <laughs> the beautiful Pop-Tart. Really? Post? Post-cereal? No, he was a uh, he was an employee of Kellogg's when he invented it. Oh. He has no relationship with the Post Company, and as a matter of fact, when uh, Pop Tarts, when he invented Pop Tarts at Kellogg's, the company Post also had something called Country Squares, which then became Toastum Pop Ups. Mm. But Pop Tarts squashed them. The Pop Tart was good. A little strawberry jam in there. So good. I never really cared for the chocolate one so much. No, but that was more dessert than it was breakfast. Yeah. Not that the breakfast one was really breakfast. And I don't think originally they had the frosting either. They had to bring out the frosted Pop-Tart after that. Yeah, yeah, because you needed more sugar. Yes. Well, it was funny that you you say dessert because Jerry Seinfeld uh, said on Instagram, Godspeed, Bill Post. You bent pastry and fruit filling to your will and convinced parents to serve dessert for breakfast. May you find two slots in eternity and rest in lightly brown glory. And I think I think somewhere along the way, Jerry does a whole bit about Pop-Tarts. Okay. I believe. Right. And he's got a movie coming out on Netflix in May, Jerry does, called Unfrosted, oh. the Pop-Tart story. But, but he's gone, Bill. I know, Bill can't see it. Maybe Bill got a screening. Maybe he got an advanced screening yeah. of it. Now, this just proves 96. Pop-Tarts are good for you. <laughs> you think it's your favorite uh, breakfast indulgement? Well, look, I I was served muffets for most of my true. childhood. So anything like a Pop-Tart would <laughs> this, be heaven on a plate. This, this is true. Um, I, I, you know what? I don't know that I had a lot of them. I know, I know for sure my buddy. I, we all have one of these friends. Where they had all the best stuff. They mm. had like real Coca-Cola. They had all the brand name cereals. They had Oreos and decadent chocolate chip. They, you know, I think, uh, Chris Rock does a, a great bit about growing up. All the food in his house was a white label with black lettering. <laughs> we weren't that bad, but it was a lot of knockoff discount stuff at the, right. at the Ven Ranch. R- Roos Krispies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so my buddies, he had Pop-Tarts. So I'd kind of have them when I was at his place okay. hanging out. Gotcha. You know. Yeah. 
I know the lovely Maria said this, and maybe you experienced it too. If you've got any, you know, parents of some sort of ethnic background, they don't really blend naturally into the Canadian way of things. No, no. And so you're eating stuff that you're, you know, you yeah. go to your buddy's place and they got like hot dogs, like <laughs> real hot dogs. <laughs> you know. Hot dog? <laughs> Not eating this. <laughs> <laughs> Here, have yeah. some more life brand cereal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Maria will always joke about it because she had the same thing. A girlfriend of hers, like she would just go over there and it would be like, oh, like <laughs> opening the cupboards and it's just the greatest food falling out, you know. And it is funny too because like, like things like the sloppy Joe were completely mm. foreign, right, in my household. Yeah. Right, like my dad. Well, why would you want to eat a sandwich just spilling out all over your place? Meanwhile, all we ate was like curry and roti, <laughs> which right. basically just uh, you know a flatbread dipping into a stew. Maria's mom would have been like, "Who the hell is this? A sloppy jaw? I don't know. I wasn't no sloppy jaw in my house. No, I, I no alphagetti for her. <laughs> Zoodles, she, Chef Boy RD. Although she was, she she is sweet at times. I, when we lived with her uh, briefly, uh, well, more than briefly, <laughs> a couple of few years, I think. There, uh, another baby came along in a couple of cars. But I remember, I guess I must have mentioned one day about loving Twinkies when I was a kid. Again, uh, something I never had in my house. Right, my buddy's parents had the Twinkies. So I come home one day and there's a box of Twinkies sitting on the, <laughs> and she goes, I gotta go to you. I get you uh, the Twinkies. You like a Twinkie? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that's, have, have yourself a Twinkie. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, yeah, popped up. So I, I think I might. I have my own home now. I got my own money. Yeah, I you can. Treat myself. Still wait till you see how much a pop tart is now. <laughs> It'll kill me. <laughs> You'll be wearing the no name one again. If you're ever planning on climbing Mount Everest, you got to bring all your equipment with you. It can be very expensive, but you'll get your Sherpa. And the other thing you have to bring along now is your own poop bags. Much like your dog poop bags, <laughs> shove some of them there in your uh, in your backpack. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, it's getting pretty gross over there on Mount Everest. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. The uh, climbers uh, appear to be relieving themselves wherever they wish. They just find a spot and go. There's no Johnny on the spots halfway up. Uh, uh, no. Or I would imagine there's not a lot of flushing facilities around you, there. No. Just another job for your poor Sherpa. <laughs> Following you around. Carry, carrying this puppy bag dog poop <laughs> thing. Um, so here's the deal. They, the authorities have had enough of... Uh, the climbers dropping their guts all over the side of the mountain. Uh, so there's a new rule in place where you'll have to clean up after yourself. That means picking up your own poop, putting it in a bag, carrying it with them until they get back down to base camp. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do what people do around here with their dogs and just bag it and drop it. Probably. Go through the trouble of bagging their poop and then leave it there. Humans are horrible people. Uh, the trails are filled with human waste. Now, I don't know how they're going to control this because outside of like your climbing group, it's not going to be there's like poop patrol halfway up right. the mountain. Yeah, but there are a lot of people like climbing. Yeah. At, at any given time, like in the, in the heart of that season, I guess, there are just people climbing 
all the time, parades of them going up and down. Like there's traffic jams <laughs> on gridlock. the mountain. There is because there's certain passes. There's only it's one lane, right? right. You're, you're walking up these little staircases or whatever that have been built to try and get up there, and and you're stuck. So if you see people dropping poop along the way, I'm sure you're telling them to pick it up. I would be. Uh, I'd just be pooping in the middle of the night when everybody's sleeping. Right. Mind you, like I've heard too, like there's parts of that mountain sometimes that it's basically a graveyard because they can't carry the bodies down. Jesus. This sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. How about a five star in Fiji? <laughs> this I can get my head wrapped around. <laughs> it doesn't have the challenge and the personal <laughs> satisfaction when you climb to the top. People are dumb. Drop your poop bags at the top. Maybe the mountain's getting taller. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> Stacking poop bags yeah. at the top of it. It's not because of climate change. <laughs> I should just change the name to Mount Poop. Um, so, yeah, they say it's it's everywhere. And uh, lo- a local organization estimates that there are about three tons of human excrement between the wow. bottom of Everest and the summit. That's a lot. Yeah. Because I wouldn't think you're overeating either. either. Like you're basically getting just the protein you need to keep going. Right. And that's it. The bags will then be checked and cleaned when the climbers return to camp. Oh, whose job is it to check it and clean it? <laughs> I'd rather be the Sherpa. <laughs> oh my God. That is, okay, we found it. Worst job ever. Right. You're in charge of cleaning, checking poop, poop bags. Poop checker at Everest. Oh, God. UltimateClassicRock.com decided to uh, come up with a list of the 20 greatest heartbreak songs for Singles Awareness Day, which is today. By oh, way. okay. Which kind of sad because ah, you've already had a bad enough day. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, being single, perhaps I can't imagine it's much better. Like, oh, what a great dumping yeah. the day after Valentine's Day, Singles Awareness Day. And look at the S, A, and D. Just sad. Yeah. Anyhow, at the top of the list, a tune called "Broken Heart" from the Babies in 1977. Seems All right. Clear. Saddest song, BG's How Can You Mend a Broken Heart. It's right. a heartache, Bonnie Tyler, of course. Mm. Heartache Tonight, The Eagles. It goes on and on. A lot of songs. Heartbreaker, Pat Benatar. All heart in this title. But they've got this totally wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm actually offended by this list. Wow. Because there is one song, and there's only one song, that is truly the greatest heartbreak song of all time. And brings me to tears every time I hear it. That's it's brutal. Right. It's a killer. Eric Carmen. And I and I went to grab that clip off of YouTube and I forgot that the album version is like seven and a half minutes. Oh my god. <laughs> That becomes a suicide song about three and a half minutes in. I know the radio edit was probably, you know, half of that. Seven and a half Seven minutes, minutes of it. <laughs> I was also going to grab uh, Every Rose Has It Thorn by Poison. I just right. didn't have a chance to edit it down quick enough. Right. But that's another tearjerker. Mm. And a great sing-along song. Adrian's always pointed out, because uh, she loved ABBA, but the winner takes it all. Mm. is basically about divorce. Oh, is in it? That, yeah, but it would, but it's one they broke up. Like, so he wrote it and she had to sing it after oh. they'd broken up. <laughs> it's one of those brilliant kind of yeah. crazy screw you moments. 
If you uh, watched uh, Davy Jones and the Six, it's uh, basically it's based loosely on Fleetwood Mac. And the stories around rumors in the recording of that album are very similar. And that they were all sleeping with each other and breaking up and getting back together. And I think uh, two of them were married. The piano player who recently died, I think she was married to And they were getting a divorce in the middle of the album. Oh, wow. Yeah, still released an album that uh, sold pretty well. Yeah, did okay. Did okay. A buddy of mine has a theory. And this would have worked yesterday with Valentine's. If you have uh, somebody in your life... And uh, you put on rumors uh, and open a bottle of wine. If you're not getting laid by the end of side one, really, you're not getting laid at all. That that's his theory. I've never tried it. <laughs> I've never tested it. But he believes it's true. And normally we don't get into a, a ton of. Uh, we'll talk politics occasionally, but one of the topics we rarely discuss is the abundance of financial waste. Right. You know, so many programs and policies and money spent on things, and it's endless. And it's all levels of government, and it's all parties. Whoever's running the show, they just spend boatloads of money, and a lot of it is just flushed down the toilet, and there's so much of it that it's hard to even stay on top of it. So for the most part, we leave that alone and let others discuss. But I just found this Arrive Can app story to be just so ridiculous. So... During COVID, they had uh, come out with this app, the Arrive Can app, and it was all part of protecting people going through the airport and, and moving up, you know people along. And I, I guess the app was originally tagged at about like eight hundred thousand dollars. It is now up to fifty four million dollars, and there have been listen. I don't know a lot about technology and apps, but what I do know about apps is your son could build an app. Like it's, <laughs> it's really not that difficult. There are easy, and I guess what happened was the government spent like all this money. Uh, they had, uh, just a, a bunch of different app companies and they had subcontractors, 23 different app companies involved and just pissing away money and it was a guy yesterday who said uh he owns some tech business young guy he said we just did a little experiment we decided to just see if we could build this app for how much and how quickly in 48 hours they had the app built <laughs> like a handful of them right it's not that difficult of an app mm -hmm. now he said okay because it's government it's always to, to have it connected to all their different apparatus. Right. Is going to be more, you know, technically some more steps, but not 54 million worth of steps. Right. And it's an app now that for the most part, none of us use. Mm. You travel more than some. So maybe you still have it on your phone and you still use it, but it still ain't worth. If you flew six times a week. For the rest of your life, right? It's still not worth fifty-four million dollars. No, and and that's there's a lot of it is government red tape mm -hmm. that's involved in all of this, and and what they pay in legal and consulting fees, yeah. is is the craziest part of all of it. Is I I I have I though I studied politics, I only worked briefly in government in the sense that I I had a summer job at the mm -hmm. Ministry of Finance, and even there. 
in that lowly position, you can see where some of the red tape gets involved. Like mm-hmm. my job was to go around and, uh, and like work on computer profiles, mm-hmm. right? So everyone gets a new office, they get set up and their computer gets set up and I got to make sure that all the proper, uh, programs that they need are on their computer. But to just put a single program onto a computer, takes about seven steps wow. of levels above you. It has to do with the approval steps yeah. that were involved in that. Uh, and some of them, you know, there were consultants who were there who had retired and then come back as consultants because they were already collecting their pension, but then getting paid again as consultants onto this and they consult for this. And then there's legal that you have to go through and they have to be paid the lawyers. So you look at just, you know, look at the legal fees. And I, they aren't releasing them, but just imagine mm. what the legal fees have been over this Bill 124 mm-hmm. that the Ford government put out. It was ruled as unconstitutional. They challenged that, right? All the steps And involved. then it was over, you know, and then ruled again, on, and then they challenged it again. It, it take, finally, they said they won't go to the Supreme Court of Canada mm-hmm. to do it. But along the way, so much has been dumped. And wasted. And it's not, listen, we've seen government waste for years. This is not even a left or right issue. Oh, right. This As is, I said off the top. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is something that is just very difficult to justify. And because it's taxpayer money. It's so ingrained, I think, too, just in North America. You know, you look to Europe and what they've been able to accomplish over the decades. High speed rail and trains going through mountains. We, we cannot, again, through consultants and surveys and studies, we can't get anything accomplished. Yeah. There's just so many hands, so many people at the trough, you know, and so nothing gets done. Everybody just throws because and it becomes so convoluted and confusing. Right. Well, Again, and then over the course, we... because it takes so long to do it, you kind of forget along the way that you're paying yeah. the whole time yeah. to do this. Yeah. And so those costs turn into cost overruns, and you realize that, you know, okay, you want to build a, a new rail system. Well, every foot of track is going to cost you a million dollars. If there was ever a politician, and I know that they can never do they can promise this, they can say they would, but it would never happen. But if somebody would come along and go, look, this is what government's going to do. We're gonna, we're gonna run your health care. We're gonna make sure that's organized and much better than it currently is. Cause as we hear also in the news, Ontario desperate for doctors. We're gonna streamline their business because I, I guess they're like spending crazy hours a week just doing paperwork mm. and not seeing patients. We're gonna do that. We're gonna make sure the roads are good. We're gonna make sure we don't go to war. And that's it. Right. Our jobs will be your health, the roads, and no war. Yeah. Let the school boards go. Let so much stuff that you are got your hands in, let it go. Let it be privatized and just focus on like three or four things, whatever those three <laughs> or four things are. But there's, and I, maybe that's a very liberal, uh, not liberal, but uh, what's the, um, more NDP than anything. Yeah, yeah, well, no, NDP would be more in your face. Right, more true. government, more stuff. No, more libertarian. Right. You know, less government. Yes. Stop being so involved in it because the minute they get involved in anything, they right. screw it up. Yeah, well, it, true. But, and part of it is because, you know, this consultation process mm. doesn't always include 
people who are actually on the ground working right. in those environments too. Right. right. The consultants that they hire and, and the ones that have to oversee all of this, you know, and, and listen, it, it, it starts with the fact that you're, you know, you've got a health minister who's not a doctor. Right. <laughs> so, uh, or not even the health profession. And a lot of times the, the people that go into politics aren't necessarily experts in the field that they're there. Mm-hmm. So you have to hire experts to consult on those things. And that's when you get lobbying and all sorts of stuff that happens. And the, and the, the waste, you're right, in terms of political dollars is crazy. Yeah. And you, as you said, the, uh, the health minister not being a doctor, you know, you'll see like with any leader at some point, if things are going south, they'll just move everybody around. Right. It's, it's just, it's all BS. <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> Just well, and and it, it goes the choices at the top yeah. for the top two parties are a drama teacher right? <laughs> or a guy who's never had a full time job. Rock mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky, Lucky. ninety four nine The Rock.